0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot.
1: Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
2: There's one thing we know for sure right now, that even in a world of uncertainty, cancer doesn't stop, even in the midst of a global crisis. So on Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is hosting a trailblazing event called The Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by ABVI. The event will raise funds to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. So join us and step up to take cancer down. You climb 61 floors or 1,760 steps. You can do this anywhere, inside, outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill. What you'll do is sign up and on June 13th, join in for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's heart-pumping playlist to keep you motivated. Join in June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. You can register for the Big Virtual Climb at lls.org slash bigclimb. That's lls.org Slash Big Climb
1: Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Allison, I made a cup of coffee today without my cup in place under the Kirk. How's your morning going? <laughs>
2: Well, I'm I'm on a two-cup system, and I still feel like I need more. So maybe we're balancing out in some sort of universal coffee measure.
1: Uh, one cup of coffee in your mug is one cup of coffee. One cup of coffee on your countertop spilling onto your floor is like 43 cups of coffee. <laughs> I think amazing.
2: so. I think it's so.
1: A, the scientific uh, ratio I figured out. Uh, well, welcome to, welcome to the uh, podcast. What an interesting weekend for the NHL and, of course, within that, the Blue Jackets. Uh, The league has had approval now from the players to move forth with a 24-team format. So all that's been decided at this point, Allison, is that 24 teams get to continue playing in some form. That means the bottom seven have been lopped off. That means there's 12 in each conference and they take it from here. That is that is a foundational step that they needed to get to. Now they can move on to the other stuff. Um, <laughs> your, just your thoughts on, on this now that it is official, 24 teams, seven out, 24 in, uh, take it from there. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I still think it's, it's a little bit too big of a field. Um, I think that, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, there were a couple teams that didn't vote in favor and and, and one of those was, was Carolina, which in large part was because of the impact on their chances with this right. increased field. And so I think that um, it is perhaps more harm to those who earned a, a, a valid shot than it is good. Um, and I think you're right. What's important to remember here now is that this is simply format. Um, this doesn't mean it's happening. This doesn't right. mean all the rules have been figured out. This doesn't mean that there are still teams and or players that may opt out in the future. Um, We don't know what that will look like, but um, it's a step. It's communication. And uh, I think we have to take it at that level.
1: Yeah. So as you mentioned, there were two teams that, that voted against this proposal, Tampa and Carolina. Uh, so it's 2092. This, this was one vote per team, not a player-by-player player vote. There were players within the Blue Jackets that didn't support this format either. And to be clear, we have to be very careful about this. This is not teams or players saying, we don't want to come back and play, just that this is not the format that should be used. Right. Um, I spoke to David Savard uh, late last week. He's the, the NHL PA rep for the Blue Jackets. And it, it made it clear that there were some players uncomfortable with this format. Everybody wants to play, but it's arguing about the best way to do this. So the Blue Jackets, I mean, I, I don't think anyone's going to hang their head and pout if it comes back in this in this form, but it's not 100% support. And there are going to be further votes if that's done team by team or if that's done by individual. Uh, one of the things the PA under Donald Fear has always been interested in is hearing it of responses from as many players as as care uh, to weigh in. So still, I mean, probably that's a big step getting to how it, what it's going to look like, but that's probably 20% of the hurdles here, obviously with all of the other things that have to be worked out. The league issued a 22 page list of rules and regulations uh, that would just be necessary for the for the next step, phase two, which is, Probably early June, players being allowed to work out in small groups. So in Columbus, that would be Nationwide Arena. Maximum six players at a time. They would have to schedule workout times and move accordingly. I think, Allison, when you look at that 22-page list of regulations and realize that this is just for the isolated, limited player workout portion, you go, oh, my God. If they do get to a point where they can come back and play, this is going to be a huge document with lots and lots of things to consider.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think, um, and our colleague Mike Russo wrote a really nice piece over the weekend talking with Minnesota's player rep of just really outlining, and here's the one million other things we haven't even considered <laughs> yet. Right. Um, sure. But but I agree. I think it shows, and and, you know, the underlying point here is it just shows what uncertainty we are all in right now and how many considerations we should be taking for our own safety as we wait for answers. Um, But you know what, if we look at this purely in a hockey sphere, what I do like about this, I mean, I talked about this in one of our earlier episodes is that it concerned me that players weren't able to stay on a, on a similar foundation in terms of physical preparation. And and that lends itself to injury, um, potentially severe And so at least players are now going to have some common footing on what they can and cannot do. And it looks a lot, you and I were talking about this, it looks a lot, as much as it can, to um, some of those preseason activities that we start to hear about when players do come back to a city or a town or practice where they live um, to kind of gear back into a hockey mindset and physical focus versus just overall fitness.
1: Yeah, right. It's a different animal. Different animal. The uh, question I think that surfaces around here so much is: Can Columbus? Will Columbus be a hub city? Mm-hmm. And it look it looks like the league prefers two sites with twelve teams. I don't think four sites with six teams is dead yet. Um, but I think Columbus's chances, if it's four cities with six teams each, is better than if it's one or two with twelve. Um, and one of the reasons for that is is Columbus now does have the hotel space in terms of pure rooms. But if the league's wish is to have one central location for all of its teams, it would be hard to fit, even in the 532-room Hilton. Uh, I talked to a couple of team services managers the last few days around the league. Most teams travel with between 42 and 48 staff, including the players. Mm-hmm. You multiply that by 12 and you you get around, you start sniffing 500 rooms really, really quickly. For sure. And that doesn't include the league, right? And if you're going to quarantine people, you can't have them going to two different locations with other people uh, there to sort of burst the bubble or infect the bubble. I think the desire has been to have individual teams on individual floors. And I even heard, Allison, that your key... Your your room, your room key would not allow you to illuminate other floors. Gotcha. So that you can't infiltrate.
2: Right. Which would be
1: hilarious if this <laughs> were done. Um, yeah. So, like, the, the Hilton wouldn't be enough by itself to house the, the league if this is a, a hub for a 12-team format. So maybe they'd have to have a second hotel. Then now it starts to get a little bit more more curious. The other concern – is the dressing rooms teams right. are not going to share dressing rooms obviously that's that's a lot uh, can they get to twelve dressing rooms in nationwide I don't know any lee, any arena frankly that has twelve dressing rooms with showers in it
0: like well, exactly
1: exactly I, mean, I don't so that may be a knock against Columbus but who the hell has twelve Columbus has its own the visitors there's there's a room on, on the path to the a home bench that has a room and a shower there are two in the ice house that could be used and then the high school rooms for St. Charles Upper Arlington and the Triple A Blue Jackets but I'm not sure if they have showers in there or if they use uh the showers in other other parts of the ice rink so
2: well there's two there's more than two in the ice house
1: yeah, but not with showers. I think they sh- I think they share the showers. I think there are rooms back there that don't have showers. too, that do.
2: I've been in a lot of them. We'll have to <laughs> we'll have to check. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, I think. But the thing with the hotels too, though, I mean, part of the the spiel for Vegas being a contender is it's across multiple hotels, and there's something what? to be said for not having Dude. everyone in one hotel, right? I mean, there is,
1: but the idea. I mean, I think the, pref- the preference is that the league would take over the hotel.
2: For sure. But what if the league takes over two?
1: Well, you could. But in, I mean, if, if half of the teams don't need 532 rooms, you're taking over a 532 hotel room, 532 room hotel, and using 400 rooms. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're, there's a, quite a bit of waste going on there. Well, I mean, Plus you can control an environment consistently in one more than you could in two. I mean, there's so many ramifications. We could go down a, a rabbit <laughs> hole yeah. here. I mean, our food servers in these hotels, are they going home to their families and coming back every day?
2: Well, that's if, the thing. I mean, if that's
1: so shouldn't the players. Right. I mean, it's,
2: well, I mean and that's, if, if, if you can control one hotel but can't control two, one would beg the question: if you're ever controlling one at all, arguably, I mean.
1: Well, that's fair, but I mean, you're introducing risk and variables. The bigger it gets, for sure. You, but it, you've got two different staffs, from, I mean, I just—it gets a little. we'll, we'll see. It, it yeah. could come to pass that they use two hotels here. I don't know that there's another 500-room hotel in Columbus if it if they. Need that. Anyways. In high school, I doused myself in Brute 33. By college, I was using Old Spice. But now that we're grown up, it's time for Hawthorne. Smelling good is important, and Hawthorne smells really good. It's also really easy to get Hawthorne cologne. Go to hawthorne.co, take the 20-question quiz. It takes three minutes, and it will build an entire line of products you need to be the best you. It's the perfect Father's Day gift for yourself or for your father. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use your promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. You'll love the way you smell and more importantly, so will the people around you. That's Hawthorne.co and promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off of your first purchase, hawthorne.co. So one other thing that I think needs some working out here, and this is all spitballing, is the timeline of all of this. So if the small small workouts begin in June, the thought is that by mid to late June, probably late June, the training camps would begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, two or three week Training camp, puts them at mid-July, early to mid-July for the uh, buy-in round, the play-in round, which is going to take eight to ten days, I would say, minimum.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Then you're looking at a start of the playoffs to mid to late July. 60 days to play four rounds. That's what the league sets aside each year. Maybe they can speed that up. I've got some thoughts on that. I have thoughts, Allison, and... That brings it to mid-September or late-September for the Stanley Cup final to be played.
2: Thanks, I hate it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right? I mean, the one thing they could do, and ultimately this may or may not speed it up, but the NBA will start the next round of playoffs before the first round is complete.
2: Okay, I see. Yep. yep.
1: Yep. So if one series takes seven games and the other series is done in four or five games, game one of round two starts before it, the final of game one is, is played to get that one up and going. That's the problem. Yes. Okay. I don't like it either. <laughs> I don't like it either. Uh, one thing that, that Savard mentioned is a problem with, is getting guys back from Europe, packing up their stuff, traveling, having a three week training camp with the understanding that you could be playing three games and going right back home again. Absolutely right but that that's going to be that has to be the reality period if you're going to play again
2: okay. you know at some point and at, uh, i get that there is a big financial driver that trickles down to so many different parts of the economy not just the the league and its play itself right but but at some point if this is about recouping some lost dollars why not just veer completely off who wants to play, opt into some sort of pseudo all-star tournament, will fulfill contractual obligations, the guys who want to play, play, and we're over and done with this and we start next year on time? It, assuming we can start next year on time. Right. I mean, this is the hoops. The hoops are insane.
1: Yes. And it may come, come pass that they don't play the rest of this year, right? They may. The, the format that they're laying out here assures that next year is going to be delayed significantly. significantly. All right. So, you know, and, and this is not their doing, no. obviously. I mean, they're trying to make the best of it.
2: But it's their choice. Knowing,
1: yeah. Knowing that the best of it is still not going to be very good. Right. And that's the tough situation that they're all in. Um, one of the things that the players, and I think players are always in a tough spot with this because they don't want to be seen. As whining, but there is there is a need sometimes to remind us, uh, all of us, that they are players with families and they are people. Mm-hmm. The idea of living in a hotel room and basically going hotel to rink, I mean, I, I know it sounds outrageous, but if you're quarantining, you're quarantining. Mm-hmm. That's three months in a hotel room for some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I hate to use, I hate to use the word conjugal, but there's been talk of a one day a week visit with family. That ruins the idea of the quarantine. Right. Like you no. If you're going to do that, you would just go home to your family. Right. And I get it. I, I get it from both sides. Like, of course that's strange. What if your wife has a is pregnant and having a baby while you're in the quarantine of course you're going to leave right and then you're going to miss an entire round of the playoffs before you get back in hell yeah you make that decision but that's messy what if a family member gets sick right I mean this is and let me get to this point Allison how ethical is it for pro leagues to have enough testing to do two or three a week on players sometimes more To have an abundance of tests as needed to remove all doubt of anyone being sick as being part of the group, and yet still live in a country where frontline workers and people who are truly sick and truly need an answer as to whether they have it, have a hard time getting tested. I struggle with that. Actually, I don't struggle with that. It shouldn't happen.
2: Right. Well, I I mean, in this, like... I see some people push back on, oh, these players, you know, they're complaining about being quarantined to play a game and make all this money. Like, if anyone has been doing what they should be doing the past whatever, how many weeks we're on now, we have all had, I'm sure, I know I have had moments of frustration and stir craziness being in, in, in my home. Yeah. And a hotel room, and I don't care whether you – to boil mac and cheese or cook a five-course meal. At least you have access to cook your own food. At yes. least you have a refrigerator. You have the coffee maker you like. It, it, I mean, there's there's so many benefits to being in your own space. And then those of us who've been in our own space have still been miserable at points. It's just, I mean, you know. And there's there's this talk too of part of the the clause on the testing is there's a degree of self-reporting as well. And there are issues in hockey culture of stepping up and saying, I have what might be perceived as a weakness. Right. Right. And this is a situation right now where you have to, it has to be safe for you to do that. Um, I just, it's, it's again, I, I get the drivers, but, I'm, I'm starting to now feel like, why can't we look at different, if the, again, if the goal is recouping some economic loss, are there different ways to do that at this point than forcing this issue? Because again, at the, I mean, if they play and if someone wins a Stanley Cup, someone will have earned a Stanley Cup, no question. I'm not saying that they are discounted from history, but there's always going to be asterisks, a million asterisks on this season. Yeah. And it's just yeah. insane to me.
1: Yeah, and and you touched on this earlier. The the format. If you're Pittsburgh, you're not happy with this format. Right. If you're Edmonton, you're not happy with this format. Right. Um, Carolina's got issues because they lost all four games to the Rangers this year. Uh, maybe I'm missing something, but I don't buy that argument because they're two points better than the Rangers. Like to me, that's like that's not that egregious. But Pittsburgh is 15 points up on Montreal. Montreal's trading at the trade deadline. Right. Unloading parts. And now in this format, they're on even footing. That's strange. Well,
2: well and to, car- to the Carolina point, I think it's bigger than the matchup. I mean, if you look at go- going into the balance of the season when everything stopped, Carolina's chances were 80% to make the playoffs. And I think this is an important thing that some are starting to use in language more and more. This 24 team situation is really a play-in and then the playoffs, right? Like it's not, it's not technically a 2014 playoff. So if you're Carolina and you're at a point where you have a 80% chance of making the playoffs, you load it up at the trade deadline. The team, one of the teams ahead of you was Columbus that didn't load up, was besieged by injuries and had one of the hardest schedules remaining over the balance of the season. Now, this is a Blue Jackets podcast for sure. But as much as we talk about what this benefits, the Blue Jackets, this, those are the ways it hurts a team like Carolina. And so not only do they get the expected competitive advantage they were supposed to get over the balance of the season, now this setup has reduced those chances even more. I think it takes them down to 20% probability just because of the new obstacles that are in play that were not supposed to be in play for them before.
1: Yeah. It's it's crazy and, and Edmonton is Oof. eleven points ahead of Chicago. Yeah. And I get it, it's Chicago, but now you've got a, a team full of older players who's who have smaller gas tanks. They seem to run down uh, Taves and, and yeah. all those guys. And now they're three months rested. That's a yeah. team that knows how to win in the playoffs. Obviously they've done it. And now you've got Edmonton's got Chicago in the, in the uh, buy-in round, playing round, and there is no advantage you can give either team. Right? There's no home ice advantage. So you can't say, well, you get three games at home, they get two. There's none of that. It's neutral site. Uh, e- honestly, even if it's in your rink, it's neutral site because there's no fans there, and everything's going to look so different. Um, yeah, it's just – I don't know how you do it, but those teams have a complaint. What if Carey Price comes out of his three-week training camp just on fire and we know what a goaltender can mean for a team in the playoffs it it can it can take you a long long way even if you're having struggles on other parts of the ice Allison the Blue Jackets play the Toronto Maple Leafs and this is a this is a clash of styles Mm -hmm. and I've been thinking this and talked to Savard a little bit about this I think if you're the Blue Jackets I know people in Toronto are saying not a good matchup because they think it's never a good matchup in, in, the, <laughs> in the in the postseason because they've come to expect it. Um, but if if you're the Leafs and you're Austin Matthews and you're Mitch Marner and you're Nylander and all these guys, those guys it, for them that is offense is instinctive. It's flow. It's fun. It's it's get on your horse and go time. I think the Blue Jacket style of checking and the way that they play, the way that they defend is so, it's so intricate, and it's so much timing, and it's so much a feel thing. I wonder, in a very, very short series, who, who does this benefit more? I think it benefits the Leafs. I think instinctive play will have an advantage early in a series, certainly. How do you read that in a, in a shortened series between two very, very different teams?
2: Yeah, I mean and we talked about this a little bit last episode as well. I mean, I don't I actually don't think that for this group in particular that that clicking back into that defensive approach, that aggressive forecheck is going to be as challenging for them, but what I actually worry about and this has nothing to do with the abilities of the players, but it's the converse of your Carey Price situation is is I wonder how goaltenders are going to be able to be ready for right. this, I mean, they they can't, their training from everything we hear and see from players ex- who are out there talking, I mean, they're not able to do barely any of the normal things they would do to stay in game shape as a goaltender, which has very specific demands and very specific skills that need to be sharp. And so what if the Blue Jackets goaltending is off point through no fault of either player, right? right. But, or or again, if they haven't been able to train what if both go down with injury, which is entirely possible when you look at the demands of that position and potentially how these guys have been able to stay in shape. So I'm not so much worried about the skaters in front. I'm worried about the goaltending, and I'm worried about the difference last year for Columbus is that they had people who could score, and we know that's been a struggle this season. Now, if Cam comes back hot and if Bjorkstrand comes back hot, maybe this isn't much of a concern. But I think it's it's those two things I think about more – as opposed to Columbus's ability to control the game defensively.
1: Yeah. Uh, We'll get to Blue Jackets injuries in a second, who should be back, who shouldn't. But one other thing about this format, if you get through the play-in round, if you win that five-game series to qualify for the playoffs, the team you play in the first round, so one of the top four in your conference, They will have played games. Mm -hmm. They will have played games against themselves, against each other, sort of a round robin, I think, if you will. Those games are among teams that know that they're in the playoffs. Those are essentially games at the end of the season for a team that's already clinched. Mm -hmm. That's not replicating playoff uh, win-or-go-home type uh, drama or urgency. How big of an advantage – is whoever wins that playing round. How big of an advantage are those teams going to have in the first round, at least in the first couple of games? And this is why I think the first round has to be seven games. As strange as it sounds, even if rounds two and three are shortened to five games, I think it's really important for that first round series to have seven games in it.
2: Because they play more?
1: Well, because the team that has been playing the round robin games, not the the winner go home. Type urgency games is going to be flat-footed at the start of that first round series. The other team's been up and going in really passionate games for minimum three games, maybe five games, and you have yet to play a game at that pace. I think the first couple games in round one will be a severe disadvantage for the teams that got a bye.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question because they still have. Have they finalized that those the round robin will reseed? That's not confirmed, correct?
1: That's correct.
2: Okay. I mean, that's, which there could be motivation to those round robin games if it's about reseeding. but back to things that are quirky about this format, that would piss me off. I mean, if you're Boston and now you have to play to be (laughs) reseeded, that's, that's, that stinks. Um, But I I don't know what the answer is there. I don't, I don't know if it's more games because to your point, the round robin play isn't going to ramp you up no matter what, but the mental impacts are huge for sure. Um, but it also, again, you know, if you, and we've seen this with teams before you win your playing round, but you lost two guys to injury. Right. So yep. it's tough. I don't know what the answer is.
1: Uh, speaking of injuries, good news on the blue jackets front. I mean, this is like, none of this is good news. Let's not kid ourselves, <laughs> but, but this part of it for the blue jackets is, is good news. Um, They had a ton of guys, as you know, 419 man-game injuries. A ton of guys out of the lineup. Cam Atkinson was supposed to come back that uh, game against Pittsburgh, March 12th, that was canceled uh, when the league shut down. So Atkinson is back. There's your 41-goal scorer. Seth Jones will be up and ready to go. He's been skating for a while, maybe a month now. Uh, The ankle that he fractured uh, mid-February against uh, Colorado should be healed and he should be ready to go. Same for Oliver Bjorkstrand. So there is your Norris Trophy candidate, Jones, your leading scorer, Bjorkstrand, and a your most accomplished scorer, uh, Cam Atkinson, ready to come back into the lineup. Mm-hmm. Texier with a uh, fracture, stress, stress fracture. fracture.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: He should be close, although that's been a long injury recovery for him. Uh, Kukan is cleared. Ryan Murray, who was in and out of the lineup uh, at the in the, the few games before the break, you would have to think these three months off did him uh, a favor uh, mm-hmm. that rest rest for that back is never a bad thing. Uh, we don't know about Josh Anderson. Now when Josh Anderson had surgery in March, it was easy to say done for the season, right. It was also easy to say that he may be done as a blue jacket because of the, uh, the crossroads they're coming up to in terms of his contract. Now he has new life here where that's a, a four to six month recovery. He had it in early March. So by early July to at the far end, early September, he should be good to go. Now, Allison, he strikes me as a candidate. That's going to be a really, it's going to be really interesting to watch this. What do players who have expiring contracts, what do they plan to do with this play-in? Right. Um, con- the league's going to push the contracts to end instead of July 1st to end when this season does end. But do these players who may be looking at a a, a hectic season contractually, now he's an RFA, not a UFA, but what does this do for them in terms of deciding if they want to play or not? I think that's something to keep an eye on with with Josh Anderson.
2: For sure. And I think it's, it's an interesting question for him on a bunch of levels, right? Because there's value of if he is healthy coming back and rebuking the perception of this season, showing what a healthy Josh Anderson can do, but there's also, I mean, a shoulder is a tricky injury and he obviously now has gone through the, the ramifications of not being at a hundred percent, and if he's not at a hundred percent, how much do you want to risk trying to come back and say I can play versus really sitting back and taking the time to heal to a true one hundred percent so that you can hit the next season with with full right. um yeah. yeah, I think it's a it's almost like the, the and again I say you know the contract side of this is quote unquote easy. Sure, it just extends. Sure, it just you know rolls, but again, apply this situation to last year with the Blue Jackets. If you're Artemi Panarin, Sergei Bobrovsky, Matt Duchesne, your contract is now extended. And again, if you get injured or if you don't play well, you now have less time to to get your big cash-in deal that you've worked so hard for. I right. mean, it's, it's, it's not, these are not easy. To, in a way, these decisions are almost easier for organizations in the league. They're not easy for players.
1: And if you're a, a pending UFA and you get hurt in a, exactly. in a game in September, exactly, that may be all of next year. Exactly. And suddenly, your eight-year, one hundred and ten million dollar contract might be uh, not on the table. That's right. Because you're coming out of knee surgery. That's right. It's a huge decision. Huge That's decision. right. Yeah, I feel like this was an unexpectedly depressing podcast. I <laughs> agree.
2: Um, I I don't know if it's depressing. I think that I think that what's important to know is that I think there needs to be some just some level setting, and I think people are. I mean, look how much attention the 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 match two got this past weekend, and people are hungry for sport. People are hungry for entertainment, and I think that it's important for us to really distill down what the news is, what it isn't. Um, and the opportunity, but also the risks that lie ahead because it's almost worse to say hockey's back, but then it's not back, right? So
1: <laughs> we, have to man-
2: we have to manage to that.
1: And it did feel like the announcement that, that um, they agreed on the format was received by some as, here we go.
2: That's right. And it's,
1: it's a step and it's not a small step. It's a significant step, but it is just one step towards and, and so much of it's going to be what happens in this country. Absolutely. Uh, and and I think you've seen, everyone has seen in these last few days, especially last week or so, um, as states begin to open up, a lot of people have taken that to, to mean that it's a return to normal. Right. And so who knows what's going to, what it's going to look like in a month or two weeks a month, six weeks in terms of does this virus kick back up again at a, at a truly frightening level? It's already at a pretty frightening level, if you ask me, but um, so the league has got it. – they're watching every day and keeping a close eye on what this means and, and, and consulting with all sorts of people about how to move forward. I, I, I appreciate the way that they've handled this. I, I really do. I, I think it's a really, really difficult time, but I think they've done it with the right things in mind, and I hope they continue to.
2: Yeah, for sure. 100% agree. And I appreciate also that um, players – some players are being vocal, um, particularly those who put their names to quotes, because as we talked about, that that can be a risk. And so I appreciate that it it just shows, to your point, that a lot of people are taking this very serious seriously and very thoughtfully.
1: Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks. We're going to be back with you on Friday. I hope you have a great week. Enjoy the weather. And we will uh, talk to you then. Take care.